Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, my name is Grigor Dimitrov, and you're listening to Tennis Podcast. With the year's first Grand Slam tournament just around the corner, we have an Ivan Lendl special for you. What goes on behind that stony expression? We'll hear from his longtime agent, Jerry Solomon, the man who introduced Lendl to Andy Murray, that's Darren Cahill, his great rival, Mats Verlander, and Lendl himself, right here on the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the second edition of the Tennis Podcast in 2013. But would you believe our 25th episode overall? A quarter of a century of podcasts. Who'd have thought it? And the back catalogue is available to download on iTunes and on our RSS feed if you would like to hear them. I'm David Law. Catherine Whitaker is with me, or, well, sort of with me. She's sunning herself in Australia, albeit in Melbourne now, not Brisbane. I'm in cold, damp England. For a couple of days, anyway, until I go out there myself for BBC Radio 5 Live, so I I really shouldn't complain too much. Well, as mentioned in our intro, uh, this podcast is all about Ivan Lendl, the former world number one and now Andy Murray's coach. But before we get to Lendl, and indeed before we talk about our predictions and your predictions for the new year that you've been sending in to us on Twitter, we'd just like to send our very best wishes, and I'm sure you will want to join us in doing so, to the British doubles player Ross Hutchins, Ross revealed today on Twitter that he's been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, a form of cancer. Uh, Ross said on Twitter that he's doing well, he's very positive with excellent medical support and his friends and family are around him and he's looking forward to being back on court very soon. Well, Ross is a great guy, a very good tennis player and I have to say a fantastic co-commentator. We've had the pleasure of his company on Five Live a few times and I'm sure... I'm sure everybody in tennis feels the same, players, media and fans. We just want to see him back out on court as soon as we can and uh, and most importantly, uh, feeling 100% fit again and, and healthy. So best wishes, Ross. Hope you're back with us soon. No one will uh, feel that way more, I don't suppose, than Andy Murray, his good friend who won his first tournament of the year last night in Brisbane. And afterwards, in fact, Murray dedicated that victory to a sick friend. He didn't say at the time who it was. He didn't want to go into it, but uh, 
Since then, we've obviously had the news from Ross himself on Twitter uh, that he's unwell. Um, so we assume that that's the person that Murray was referring to. But Catherine, on the court, this was another title for Murray. It was regulation in terms of the scoreline. It was a tiebreak and then a, a 6-4 set. But a big day for his opponent, a first finalist for Grigor Grigor Dimitrov. Yes, and uh, a huge step forward, I think, not just obviously reaching his first tour final, but uh, the way he played, um, he obviously beat some some players of note, Raonic and uh, Bagdatis, and I was very impressed impressed with the way he played in the final. I mean, yes, he lost. Uh, he was he was a break up in the in the second set and and uh went on to to get broken back and and uh and before you knew it it was over and and perhaps that betrayed a lack of experience but all in all um a, a huge leap forward for for Dimitrov um uh in maturity and and in the way he played does Dimitrov look any different to you based on on what you've seen in this in this match because i mean we you know we've been watching him for a long time now i mean did you notice any any specific changes in his game? Any any real advances? He seems to be using his sliced back backhand to great effect. I mean, he's always had um, a very effective uh, slice. It stays very low. He's able to get it very deep, very consistently, um, and he seems to really understand how best to use that I think Um, and at what point in the rally it's it's best to convert back to his top spin backhand which is also an absolutely glorious shot Um, and just his his composure on the court was very impressive Um, he he looked less of a a child if you like I mean he's still got very much a baby face but um, he looked more of a a a grown-up if you like on the court if that doesn't sound too horrendously patronizing (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, you know, I think that the the big test is not that he's reached his first final; it's in how he backs it up now. Because he's had a few results dotted around the tour. I remember when he reached the semi-finals at Queens at the Aegon Championships, and and he was crying on the shoulder of his of his father after that. And you know, it. it he still, even then, I mean, we spoke to him that week for the tennis podcast, and even then he still didn't look completely convinced that he'd arrived. And and sure enough, you know, he hasn't made great progress since then. But I do think it's interesting that he's, uh, he's since hooked up with um, the Swedish group of, of coaches, um, including Mikael Tilström and Nicholas Kulti, uh, former players who've, who know what it takes. And mm. they do appear to be making some progress with him. But, uh, hey, Catherine, you know, we like a bit of tittle-tattle here on the tennis podcast. Apparently he's going out at Maria Sharapova. Have you heard that? I had heard that, and I was... Did you hear the rumour? But I wonder if maybe he's just one of these people that is is the victim of all the rumours, because I, I, heard, I heard something about him and Serena Williams last year as well. So whether he's just going to be linked to every top female player uh, in turn, I don't know. But, yes, I had heard that. Yes, well, I mean, apparently, uh, I'm sure it will have been on the uh, on the back page of your Herald Sun that you like to read uh, on a daily basis, and certainly one that I read when I'm over there. It's fantastic fun. Um, but uh, interestingly enough, you know, when Roger Federer was uh, was just coming out on the circuit, a similar sort of age. I, I remember that that. Uh, 
it was around about the time that, that at the Australian Open that uh, Anna Kornikova was kept being pictured in the in this sort of guest player box of of players like uh, Mark Philippoussis and uh, Federer was asked, you know, do you think she'll she might come in your player box? And he said, well, maybe if I reach a few quarterfinals, yes. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> It is, isn't it? Uh, but anyway, we have absolutely no idea whether any of this is true. But uh, there we are. A little aside, and uh, and it certainly made us uh, made us uh, giggle. Um, other results of over the uh, the last week: Richard Gasquet winning a title and beating a resurgent Nikolai Davidenko in the final. Davidenko having beaten David Ferrer in the semis. So two players that are sort of, you know, on the on the outskirts, really, aren't they? Of the sort of top of the game and and you st- you still wonder at 26 maybe Gasquet's best days are still ahead of him but what do you think what in terms of his best days what what potential do you think he has i mean in some ways he's a bit of a i don't know a dimitrov a few years down the line isn't he um, well, hopefully not hopefully um dimitrov can fulfill more of his potential than perhaps gasquet has but um i don't know gasquet is Obvious. I mean, it goes without saying, really, how talented he is. But whether whether he can back that victory up, I just I just don't know. I can see him reaching sort of fourth fourth round, maybe of of Australia. You know, having a I think you're doing run. him a disservice. I think you're doing him a disservice. You know, do, do you know do you know that Richard Gasquet, his highest ranking was number seven in the world, and he's currently in the top ten. Um, you know, these are these are a quarterfinal performances in terms of ranking, and he has reached a Grand Slam semi-final. I think the only thing is, and, and I, I didn't see the match, but from the reports that I got, was he beat Davidenko from way behind the baseline, mm. and. You know, I think that for him to take the next step, and this is something apparently Dimitrov, I heard, was doing, was was stepping up and playing his tennis on the baseline. And I just think that these days, on a hard court, players cannot get away with scrapping around the back uh, uh, with, with the line judges. OK, Novak Djokovic and Andy Murray might win the odd point doing that, but then they have the ability to turn it up and stand on the baseline and take over. Yeah, you're right. That's that's one of the things that was very impressive about Dimitrov, and perhaps it was, you know, the the two year partnership he had with uh, Peter McNamara that was showing. But not only was he standing up on the baseline and and not afraid to take the ball early. I mean, obviously he has the the talent and the the timing that um, that he's able to do that. But he was also not afraid to take advantage of the slightly shorter ball and and recognize an opportunity to come in um, and finish the point that way. Um, he was very proficient at the net actually which you you don't see mm. so much from the the younger players coming through um and i agree i i think gasquet often gets pushed back very far um behind the baseline he ends up working a lot harder than his opponent um i don't know for gasquet well i i guess i guess what i think is that i'm not sure he's a better player than he was four or five years ago hmm interesting it's difficult to say isn't it it's difficult to say but we'll we'll watch with interest i mean he's 26 as we say he's still fit enough 
And um, and with that sort of talent, it's never too late, really. Uh, Janko Tipsarevic, another winner in Chennai over a, a player I'm hearing about for the first time in Roberto Bautista Agut. Uh, so a good win for Tipsarevic, his fourth title. Uh, we had in the women's draws, we had Serena Williams uh, winning Brisbane. And uh, unfortunately, we missed out on the big match between her and Victoria Azarenka because Azarenka had a bad pedicure. First time I've ever heard somebody withdraw from a match because of a bad pedicure. But, uh, you know, although I had a little bit of a smile when I initially heard that that reason, when I, when I actually realised what it meant, um, you know, I don't really think it is very easy to play tennis if you've got an infected toe and, and you've got uh, got sort of searing pain in that part of your body. It's, it's, it's not much fun. No, it made me wince a bit hearing about that injury. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Li Na was another winner in Shenzhen and uh, and Agnieszka Radvanska as well in uh, Auckland. So lots of big names winning uh, winning uh, the pre-Australian Open tournaments and certainly bodes well for a fantastic few weeks uh, in Australia and we'll be getting to Melbourne soon. We've got another raft of tournaments this week in Sydney and in Hobart. I was watching last night, Catherine, on a, a live feed at about two in the morning over here. Uh, Sloan Stevens against Laura Robson, two of the bright young things in the women's game and uh, Stevens won it uh, in straight sets. The second set was a tie break but uh, she's really, really promising Sloane Stevens. She really is. I watched her match against Serena um, in Brisbane last week and I was very impressed. I mean, obviously lacks a bit of experience that goes without saying she's only 19 but um i was very very impressed with her game her her composure and maturity and um obviously she's being mentored by serena and and that can't hurt can it um, being mentored by arguably um the greatest ever on the on the women's side so um she is i sort of wish i'd picked her last week as my one to watch because as soon as i saw her against serena yeah well thought, you didn't um god i forgot about her so yeah. anyway you absolutely did not pick uh, her as your as your one to watch uh, you picked what was it petra martic i, yeah, think I also was. didn't pick caroline wozniacki who lost first round but yeah, I know, but that, but that's early days. Early days. Caroline Wozniacki is just sort of warming up, and she's going to. Uh, I don't. Let's not forget that I said she would reach a Slam final. I didn't say anything about other tournaments. So she's going to have a wretched rest of the year, but she's <laughs> going to have one Slam final, uh, proving me right. However, what we have done is we've put this out to uh, our followers on Twitter. Uh, many of you listening have been getting in touch and saying some of your predictions, your outlandish predictions, some of the ones that you think are, are definitely going to happen so let's see what you think of these Catherine uh, we've got Tom Moore in Melbourne who says that he thinks Joe Wilfred Songer is going to win his first Grand Slam title this year and it's going to be the Australian Open how about that I guess that prediction was made before he injured himself in uh, in the Hotman Cup because he's he's currently looking a bit doubtful for the Australian Open I'm sad oh, to say no. Um, unconfirmed he's still oh, I think still he's time. still There's hoping still time. to be fit but um, even if he does make it you'd have to think that that's not um, the best preparation for him but hey I'd love to see it because I think he's fantastic I love to watch him play he's great for the sport um, it'd be great for France that you know this nation that's had all these you know n- no uh, no shortage of of depth of of talent you know no shortage in the uh, in the pool but hasn't had a grand slam winner since Yannick Noah on the men's side which is 
very interesting stat. Um, so I'd love well, sorry to see about it, Tom, that, Tom. But, um, um, Kath- Catherine's just uh, poured cold water on your uh, on your little prediction. Uh, um, we have uh, uh, we miss you, Rafa. Uh, a contributor from Madrid who said, uh, and uh, you can guess who this person supports. However, in the absence of Rafa, uh, this person would like David Ferrer to reach a Grand Slam final. Not only would they like him to do so, they think he will. What do you say, Catherine? I think it's not out of the question. As I say, I think if Rafa is not on top form in uh, in Paris, and there's no reason to think at this stage that he necessarily will be at his peak. Um, then I, I think David Ferrer has as good a chance as anyone of, of at least reaching the final in Paris on the clay. So, this one's a bit out there, Catherine. Ernesto from Barcelona is saying that we're going to have new top 10 players in Milos Raonic and Kane Shikori. How about that? I don't think that's that outlandish a prediction. These are all people that don't quite understand like you did last week, what, what the nature of a really outlandish prediction is. Um, I think that I've been it's very steady. impressed with Kane Shikori. Obviously, he doesn't have uh, the huge game or the stature of a, you know of many of the top players, but I, I, I think he uses his game very well, um, and I have been very impressed with him. Um, it was unfortunate that he had to retire against Murray uh, in the semi-finals of Brisbane. Raonic, I'm just starting to doubt whether he is... The real deal in terms of you know top ten, top five, I think top twenty. Yes, I mean I think he's he's within the top twenty at the moment, so that's not exactly a prediction. Um, and I think he will, you know, with with the size of his game and that serve and everything, I think he will stay solidly top twenty. But I'm just starting to doubt. You know, a year ago he was being talked about as as the next big thing and. I don't know. I've got my question marks there. I think I think he's he's at the moment proving to be a, a bit one-dimensional in his game. I think he has to Ooh, make goodness me. Catherine's just slammed him on the tennis podcast. So what else have we got? We've got Anya Green from Oxford who says Dimitrov will make the top twenty after Wimbledon. We've got uh, Vikesh from Wiltshire who reckons Jerzy Janowicz is going to reach a Grand Slam quarterfinal this year and predicts another Slam final for Thomas Burditch as well. We've got Sam who says that a British man other than Andy Murray is going to reach the third round of Wimbledon. Now that's a bold one, isn't it? Uh, but you never know. I remember uh, when Tim Henman reached his first quarter final I think it was at Wimbledon in 1996 we had a, another British player Luke Milligan who's now uh, on the coaching staff at uh, British Tennis I think at the LTA and he was uh, he was making the fourth round of Wimbledon so it has been done uh, we've got uh, another one from Sam here Catherine who reckons that John Isner will reach a Grand Slam final uh, I, I don't think I'm going to go wow. there with uh, John Isner after after yeah. last year when I predicted that he would uh, what did I say he would reach the quarterfinals Quarter did I say the US Open and yeah. uh, and he went out in the first week <laughs> Yeah, oh, well. he's not he's not worry. someone you want to bet your house on, is he, John Isner? He's he's up and down. He's as big as your house, but you don't want to necessarily bet it on you. No. On him. But uh, I, I like John Isner. I still think sooner or later we're going to see a big one from him. Uh, we've also got Stuart in Dunblane who 
is going for Alex Dolgopolov to make the quarterfinal of a Grand Slam and Ryanic to qualify for the World Tour Finals. How about that one? Well, we already know what you think, so uh, uh, we'll keep away from that one because poor old Milos, if he's listening to the tennis podcast, is going to lose all of his confidence. We've got Colin Cowan from Belfast who says, Murray will win the French Open, beating Nadal in the final. How about that? Oh, oh. Uh, now that is outlandish, I think. I would call that an outlandish prediction. I love it. What a great prediction, Colin. Good on you. He also says that Laura Robson will finish the year in the top 15. Well, that's interesting. Interesting. Not not out of the question again, I think. I think, uh, think she has it in her. Definitely. Hmm, very interesting. We have uh, Showtime, uh, who says that neither Roger or Rafa will win a slam this year, which is effectively what we predicted, because we both went for Murray and Djokovic to win a couple each, I think, didn't we? We Um, We we have uh, Steve in Utah, who, who, now this is a good one, he says, he thinks we've missed a trick. He says, what about Shvedova? as a real mover in 2013. Top 10 player, Steve in Utah, thinks. It's Yaroslava Shvedova, isn't it? Or is it Shvedova? Shvedova, Shvedova. Um, yeah, why not? I mean, there is a lot of movement <laughs> isn't there, around the top 10 in the women's. Um, yes, I seem to remember she had some, some pretty spectacular results uh, in one or two tournaments last she year, did, yeah. um, and 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 you know there the, there is definitely a gap out there at the moment. I would say for somebody to come through and uh, and get a top ten place, particularly in the women's game, out of nowhere. Phil Marshall in Newbury reckons. How about this one? He reckons that Novak and Serena will win all four slams, a double Grand Slam, calendar year Grand Slam. Now wow. that would be good. I wonder what odds you could get on that one. Wow. Well, with Serena, I mean, who, who's who's going to beat her at the moment? I just, if she, the question is, you know, how long she can keep it up and everything. But who is going to beat her if she if she stays in this shape? It's a long year, isn't it? It is. It's a long year, though. Injuries can happen. Uh, we have. I, I. I can't see it. In all honesty, Phil. I think. Uh, I think they can both win multiple Grand Slam titles this year, Novak and Serena. But to think that two players at the same time could win all four. Well, if they do, Phil. You can make a guest appearance here on the tennis podcast. There you go. Uh, you and uh, Mitchell. Uh, says from Hackney that Juan Martín del Potro will win the US Open uh, again and end 2013 in the top four. He wants to know if he's being too bold. I don't think so. I I think that's that's a realistic prediction. No, I mean, uh, depending on, you know, Rafa's status, there could be a vacancy in the top four, couldn't there? Um, You know, he's already a Grand Slam champion, so he's got it in him and we know the surface suits him, so not too bold at all. I like this one as well. Tennis Fixation says, how about this one for left field? Dennis Kudler in the quarterfinals of a slam. He saw him at the US men's clay court tournament and loves him. Wow. Uh, I'm what do you know about sp- Dennis Kudler, Catherine? <laughs> I'm rendered speechless. Um, anything can happen. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go and read up on Dennis. <laughs> We'll, we'll read up on Dennis uh, Tennis Fixation before the next uh, edition. Um, but no, we might, actually. You never know. Actually, I might go and read up on Dennis Kudler just to find out 
what 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 has convinced you of his pedigree? George Turner in London says that Murray will finish number one in the world and win the Australian Open at Wimbledon. He also says Djokovic will win the US Open and Nadal will win the French and then retire. Interesting. That's a bold prediction as well. Um, I like it though. Uh, um... If all of his predictions come off, I tell you, you could get a, a, a gazillion to one. For Murray to win, to finish number one in the world, winning two slams, Djokovic to win the US Open, Nadal to win the French and retire, and Federer to finish outside the top four. Yeah, but uh, although putting all those together, yes, that sounds like, wow, if all of those things happen, that would be quite something. But each thing, each prediction individually isn't that um, outlandish, I don't think. Perhaps, Come on, perhaps, Nadal's not going to win the, the most, French Open and then the retire, is he? Perhaps is, is Rafa retiring, but... We just don't know with Rafa, do we? And we just don't know where he's at and whether he's thinking. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. God, I can just have one more tilt at the French Open and that's all my knees have got left in them. Or whether he's going to go on and win 10 slams before getting to Rio and winning gold there. Who knows? But it's not Matthew uh, from Santa Cruz, Catherine. Matthew from Santa Cruz in California says Petra Kvitova will win two slams. Oh, she better book her ideas up because she lost 6-1-6-1 last night. First round of Sydney. Yeah, absolutely. She was in an absolutely foul mood and in terrible form. Uh, Matthew also says that uh, John Isner will drop like a stone. It predicts that no, no no, longer will he be the top American by the end of the year. And he also predicts no slams for Djokovic. And a brand new men's winner in the Australian Open. Well. Brand new men's winner? 
Yeah, it doesn't say who, just says someone. Someone different will win the Australian Open. So could it be Adele Potro? Could it be an Andy Murray? Could it be a David Ferrer? Could it does be it, a Richard Gasquet? Does it mean Gasquet? a new Australian Open champion or a new Grand Slam champion altogether? Cause... He says a new, a new Australian champion. Oh, I don't know. Hold on. He says a new men's slam winner in Oz. So you're right. No, so it can't so be Del Potro. Can't be Murray. No. So there's a chance out there for somebody. Dennis Kudler. This is your <laughs> chance, according to Matthew McGee. Uh, and finally, we have Ruben Mazariogas of Valladolid in Spain. I bet you I absolutely butchered the pronunciation of that. Uh, uh, but he says that uh, Nadal will win his eighth French Open title. Well, predicting Nadal to win the French has hardly felt like um, a bold prediction in the past, has it? But this year, with all the unknowns, um, perhaps bold is a step too far, but um, it's it's good to hear that people still have so much confidence in Rafa, because I really want to see him back. Um, and particularly on the clay, it would be it would be quite sad to see him back on the clay and him not being um the superior performer that he has been in the past so it's, it's I think he's still going to be on I think he's still going to be a force to be reckoned with I really do on, on clay particularly I think he'll come out he'll start winning these South American clay mm. court events in February and he'll be back so Ruben you may well be right I do apologize if I've messed up your name pronunciation uh, but uh, I think your prediction may have some legs to it so that's what you've had to say here on the tennis podcast on Twitter do uh, get in touch if you have any more thoughts uh, at tennis podcast is where you can find us we're also now on facebook uh, the tennis podcast facebook.com the tennis podcast um, so we look forward to hearing you on there well now it's time for our special feature on the great ivan lendl lendl was born in 1960 in what was then czechoslovakia he reached 19 grand slam finals winning eight major titles altogether although like andy murray he lost his first four slam finals before winning his first. That came against John McEnroe in a stunning fight back in the 1984 French Open final, one of only three matches McEnroe would lose all year. Lendl would go on to dominate the sport for long periods, spending a total of 270 weeks at world number one. He retired in 1994 because of chronic back pain and was largely absent from the sport until he started playing again on the ATB Champions Tour in 2010. Then, on New Year's Eve in 2011, it was announced that Lendl would coach Andy Murray, his first ever coaching assignment. Almost immediately, he made a difference, Murray pushing Novak Djokovic to five sets in the Australian Open semi-finals. Then, Murray reached the Wimbledon final, going down to Roger Federer, before he finally broke through at the Olympics and then at the US Open. So, how did the Lendl-Murray partnership come about? At the US Open, I spoke to top coach Darren Cahill for BBC Radio 5 Live, and it was Cahill, who was part of the Adidas coaching programme, who set up the first meeting. At the end of the year, Andy and I sat down and we spoke through who potentially would be good options for him in 2012, and obviously Ivan was at the top of the list, and really it was just like putting two and two together. They hit it off personally, and obviously on the court it's been a good coaching relationship with the players so far, and I think you've seen constant improvement in Andy's game. When they sat down together for the first time, was it an immediate rapport? 
everybody gets on with Ivan. You know, he's an easy, a little misunderstood when he played because he had this sort of Iron Curtain look about him and so professional in the way he went about things. But off the court, he's always been a really humorous guy, uh, cracking jokes nonstop in the locker rooms. He loves other sports. He's big time into his golf. And he's a family man and certainly loves the game. He understands the game extremely well. And I think most importantly, he was current with the game, current with the, the group of players that were playing at the moment and has great respect for Nadal, Federer, and obviously Novak. And he was very keen to get involved with Andy because I feel like their journeys and their path has been extremely similar. So hopefully you'll end up being a little bit like Lendl's for, from Andy's sake. Not every top player can transfer that into coaching and teaching somebody else how to do it what, what, what do, I mean you're a, a top coach you've, you've coached Andre Agassi Leighton Hewitt what, what is the key to that what has Ivan done well do you think that has managed to succeed in that regard well firstly I think it helps to be a successful player so guys like Connors and Ivan and these types of players that come into the game firstly the game's better off because they're such great champions and they've been in those positions where a lot of us have never been in those positions so they can relay stories relay thoughts give the players something to concentrate on that important moment it could be a mind thing it could be something about the focus it could be a game plan thing and I think if you've been in those shoes you understand it better then it's the communication angle to be able to communicate in a way that your player not only believes it and understands it but they can then go onto the court and execute it and I think Ivan's communication skills are, are second to none he, he's magnificent in, in in what I've seen anyway and that's from afar uh, delivering a message, uh, being a strong support, and also having a great deal of respect sitting up in the box for Andy to look up to, knowing that a guy that's travelled a very same journey and ended up winning eight majors is in his camp and sitting in his box, and I think Andy can gather great strength from that. The benefits to Murray have been very clear over the past year, but what's in it for Lendl? He's scaled the heights in his own career, he doesn't need the money, and it does take him a lot to get off the golf course, so... Here's Lendl's long-time agent, Jerry Solomon, to explain. Well, I think, you know, you guys have known Yvonne for a long time. He's a very driven guy. Uh, he likes challenges. He was an opportunity to be back in touch with the game and uh, give him a role that made some sense for him. Um, looked at a lot of different possibilities, and he thought that he had a really good rapport with Andy, both in terms of their off-court and on-court thinking, and um, so it made a lot of sense for him. When, when it initially came as an approach, why, why Andy? Why yes to Andy? Well, I mean, it's something that we had been thinking about and talking about for a while, not with respect to Andy, but just in general, to, that would Yvonne like to coach, that it tied in with some of the other things that we were doing, including uh, the Yvonne Lendl International Junior Tennis Academy, and if you're going to be in that business, then it makes sense to coach, and if you're going to coach... If you, Yvonne Lendl, are going to coach, you're not going to coach somebody who's ranked 150 in the world. You really need to coach somebody who has a chance to win Grand Slams, and you want to coach somebody who you can have an impact on. And so, you know, when you start putting all those parameters around it, there aren't a lot of players that, that even get in onto that list. So, so it, it just all came at a good time and made a lot of sense for him in light of everything else that was going on. He's a bit different, Yvonne, isn't he? He's not your average fella. What, what, what is he like to deal with? Because he does seem to have struck up a rapport with Andy, and, uh, but you know him the best. Well, I think Yvonne has always been a very um, misunderstood guy in the sense that he has sort of two personalities to, to a degree. The public personality where he doesn't let you in too much, and then the, 
the personal personality where he's very open and funny and engaging and witty and smart. He's a very smart guy. So, um, you know, I, I, I think he's always been the same from the time he was 20 years old and playing on the tour to now. Uh, he's just very good at, at picking and choosing his spots as to where he's going to let people see what he wants to see. It's interesting you say that because we, we look at Andy's player box during the matches and everybody's jumping off their seats and biting their fingernails and Ivan's expression never changes. Yeah, but uh, if you remember him as a player, that was really how he was as a player too. I mean, I think there's a whole psychology there that um, he doesn't want to show you any emotion. He doesn't want you to know if he's happy, sad, up, down. Uh, he wouldn't want you to know that when he was playing and I think he carries that same thing through uh, as a coach. For Lendl himself, it was always going to take a good nine months or so to make a full impact, but the results were almost instant. Andy has been maturing very nicely as, uh, as a player, as a competitor, as a person. And as you mature, you become more comfortable in these situations. Of course, being in more of these situations, um, it's very important. And more, more of them you're in, more comfortable you feel. To me, one of the most important matches of the year, maybe the most important match, was his loss to Novak at uh, the Australian Open. Because th that was just a war like tonight. And that has given him the belief he can do that, he can hang with these guys. And uh, also it has showed him what it takes to win, so it doesn't catch him by surprise today, and so on and so on. Given that he was number one in the world for so long, it is fascinating to find out that there's actually more to Lendl's mantra than simply results. I never really judge myself on winning, I judge myself on effort. All you can do is keep putting yourself in the position and give it all, your, all you have. If somebody is that much better than you, that's too bad, and you go again and try again, you sit back, you try to figure out where you can improve, what you have to improve to beat certain players, and then you go and work on it and try your luck next time. There is nothing else you can do. So has anything surprised Lendl about Andy Murray? That his sense of humour may be as sick as mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's saying something. That's saying a lot, yes. Has that helped you in your relationship, the fact that you have a similar sense of humour? I think so. I think uh, you, you don't have to tiptoe around if you want to tell a bad joke. <laughs> and neither does he, and uh, nobody gets offended. Uh, everybody chuckles and we go on. Perhaps one of the men best placed to have a view on Ivan Lendl is Mats Verlander. The former world number one faced Lendl 22 times, but it was Lendl who won 15 of them. My take on Ivan Lendl as a coach um, is that he wasn't necessarily born to, be, um, to win big tournaments when he started playing tennis. Uh, he learned how to win, and I think that's what he's, uh, he's taken uh, to Andy Murray's game is you deserve to win. You've worked hard enough. You're most probably fitter and stronger than everybody. Put, a put your time in and, and you should feel like you have the, it's, it's, you've earned the right. You deserve to win. And, uh, and I think Andy Murray is taking some of that experience onto the court. And uh, I think Ivan Lendl is great in the stands. I know a lot of people say, well, he should be more emotional and show more, 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 uh, more happy feelings. But I like that he doesn't because he's not there to be happy, clappy. He's there to help Andy Murray become a better player. Whether he wins or not is, is another, another thing. Now he has won one, and I think now we're going to see great things. And hopefully Ivan Lendl uh, finds it uh, exciting to be there for the long run, not just for, shorter, for, for short term. Do you think that will be the case? Do you think it will be a long-term partnership? 
I would think so. I mean, the way that Ivan Lendl is, it goes about his business, the way he's gone, gone about his tennis, the way he's gone about his golf, uh, he's not a giver-upper. And uh, I don't think that there's any reason for him to think that Andy Murray should be happy with one major and a gold medal in the Olympics. I think uh, once Andy's up at, at four or five or six majors, then maybe uh, uh, something, or one less than Ivan himself, maybe that's the goal. And tell me a little bit about what it's like to be an opponent on the other side of the net from Lendl and whether you see some similarities between how Murray makes his opponents feel maybe on the court. Well, to be an opponent against Ivan Lendl, it doesn't matter if you've got 20,000 people watching or you've got one or zero, because uh, he is a great guy to play, uh, play matches against because he tries 100% all the time. He's always prepared. He's horrible to practice against because he's always prepared and he tries 100%. And if you're not quite there, which most of the time you're not, you're just sort of going through the motions, working on certain things, Ivan is there to put you in your place whether it's uh, 9 o'clock in the morning, court 25, center court at, at the US Open, Wimbledon, French Open. So I think Andy Murray needs to and have become more serious in practice uh, at the majors. He has become a little more uh, aggressive and serious in the early rounds against lesser opponents. And Ivan's, I think, uh, a thought process is if the player is down, kick him harder. Well, there you have it. Jerry Solomon, longtime manager of... Ivan Lendl, we've heard from Darren Cahill, uh, such a, a well-known and respected coach who helped get Murray and Lendl together. We've heard from Lendl himself, and what a difficult interview he can be sometimes, but great fun at the same time. You know, he was having some fun with us at the US Open there post-match and, and making a few of us look like fools, well, most of us, but it was, it was all good fun. Uh, and then we heard from Mats Valander, who really has only good things to say about Lendl in terms of what a competitor he was and you can just imagine what it must have been like to stare across the net and see that pair of eyes staring back at you. Ivan Lendl was a frightening player to encounter and frankly he's 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 not far off as an interviewee either. I have to say Catherine a little bit of um a confession here. Ivan Lendl was my favorite player for a four, four year spell uh, 20 years ago. What what happened after those four years? What did he do? No, it was that they were the four years pretty much at the end of his career. I used to absolutely detest the man in the in the mid eighties when I was sort of twelve, thirteen years old. I always wanted I wanted Beckett to beat him in the Wimbledon finals, and I wanted anybody, frankly, to beat him. And then there was a turning point. He'd lost those two Wimbledon finals to to Boris Becker in eighty six and Pat Cash in eighty seven. I think it was eighty eight or eighty nine. He played against Becker in the semi finals, and he was. Two sets to one up, playing beautifully, and he injured his thigh and had a heavy strapping around it. And and then Becker came back to win it. And I felt so sorry for him that I then just, he just became my player. And I followed him intensely for the next three or four years, just desperately hoping that he would win Wimbledon. And I remember he, he would come to Queen's and... Um, you know, prepared there and he won the tournament a couple of times and just couldn't quite get over the finish line at uh, at Wimbledon. But I, I loved Ivan Lendl. He was fantastic to, to watch as a player. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Um, well, I can't say that his... Uh, that I, uh, I mean, I remember the latter years of his career. I remember... I think I remember his last Wimbledon final... Um, 
But yeah, I, I have to admit, I was probably a bit too young to be as ardent um, you do not an Ivan Lendl fan as final. you were. That was 1987 and you were one. There's no way you remember it. <laughs> That's true, I would have been one. I, well, I, I have mem- I, I have. Well, you've got a good memory. Uh, yeah, not that good a memory. Maybe um, it's one of those things where where uh, you can't remember, where you blur sort of watching watching replays. Between it's probably um, one of those famous rain delays where the BBC was re-showing um, yes. finals from. Yeah, from well, you've seen you've by. seen Pat Cash wander into the player box so many times, but you've also got to know Ivan Lendl subsequently, haven't you? On the ATP Champions Tour, what, what's he like to deal with? He's unique. Um, there's absolutely no doubt about that. I mean, I mean, he he's extremely interesting. I mean, I I don't I don't feel that I know him at all. You know, he's a he's a tough nut to crack, and he only shows you what he wants to show you. You know, he's he, he talks a lot about how he's he's got this great sense of humor. He just you know he only shows it when when he wants to show it. You know, it, when it when it suits him to to seem like this this icy cool um man with with no sense of humor he does and it doesn't bother him one bit what people think of him um and i find it very interesting how well he and and murray have obviously clicked um he is a difficult interviewee there's no doubt about that but um he that, i mean in a slightly different way but he's he's almost got that slightly uh, andy roddick thing about him where he's testing you isn't he he's testing how good an interviewee you are and and if there's he doesn't suffer fools and if there's an opportunity to show you up um then uh, then he's going to do that um so he keeps he keeps me on my toes on the champions tour let's put it that way but um it, he obviously has a very good connection with murray and that's that's very interesting to see no absolutely i think i think you've you've summed it, summed it up very well there i mean he's he's I just find it fascinating mm. to be around, which is one of the reasons why we're we're we're, we're having this episode. Really, we wanted to hear about people that are are close to him and know him and and see a different side to him because there is only a certain amount he'll let us see in the media. And and I mean, we all sort of slightly walk around on edge eggshells when we get to interview him because we know that if we get it wrong, if we slightly phrase our question wrong, he's going to make us look utterly stupid. And uh, and I can tell you, if you listen to the entire press conference um, uh, that you heard the snippets from earlier, <laughs> there are some comedy, comical moments where uh, where we're just uh, a lot of red-faced journalists around and I was certainly one of them when I, I maybe phrased my question not quite the way I wanted to but uh, Ivan Lendl is a fantastic uh, former champion both at the Australian Open and at uh, three of the slams in total won eight Grand Slam titles overall and now to have him back alongside Andy Murray and being so important in the game again I, I think is a great thrill really for, for, for most of us who remember him and have seen the impact he's now having with Murray Lendl a two time winner as we said of the tournament at Queen's Club uh, now called the Aegon Championships and um, we actually saw Lendl there this year with, with Murray and um, he told me this great story Catherine about uh, about a grizzly bear that was wandering around outside his property in Connecticut. He showed me this this picture on his phone of this this massive great big grizzly bear wandering around outside the fence. 
and uh, and I thought, crikey, that that looks pretty intimidating, even for Ivan Lendl. Oh, but, I'd uh, still pick Lendl in a fight against a grizzly bear. <laughs> <laughs> Every yes, time. Uh, and uh, we we have. We have our um, uh, our uh, very popular groundsmen, uh, Graham Kimpton, who now runs the place at Queens, and his father Dave, who've been running the uh, looking after the best grass courts in the world for the best part of forty years between them, and uh, and they were forever getting practical jokes played on them by by Ivan Lendl. Um, and then one year when he came, he, he decided to skip the the French Open and uh, and came over to Queens and. And uh, and to prepare for Wimbledon, and, and they decided to get their own back because he was always riding his bike into into the Queen's Club rather than taking the courtesy car. So one day when he was practicing, Dave Kimpton basically nicked his bike, stole his bike, and took it apart. Basically, just completely disassembled it and gave him the pieces back. <laughs> I'd love to have seen that face on Ivan Lendl after that. That is fantastic. Brave man, very brave man. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully Ivan will be back with us at the Queen's Club uh, later this year. And you could be there as well because the, the ticket ballot is to open later this month. If you want to be in the ticket ballot with a chance to, to get centre court tickets yourself for the Aegon Championships, you need to be on the tournament mailing list before midnight on Friday the 18th of January. Uh, the ballot will then open three days later on Monday the 21st of January to those who are on that mailing list. So if you go to agonchampionships.com, you can get yourself on the mailing list and hopefully get a chance to get tickets on Centre Court at the Queen's Club. Well, that's about it for another tennis podcast. The next time we speak to you, we'll both be in Australia, in Melbourne. Catherine's already there. I can't wait. Uh, ready for the first Grand Slam tennis tournament of the year. I'm sure you're looking forward to it too. We thank you very much for your company, as always, here on the Tennis Podcast, and we look forward to talking to you next week once again. Well, we hope you enjoyed that look at the great Ivan Lendl. There's a lot to him, I'm sure you'll agree, and I don't think we'll ever truly know him, but perhaps you know him more now than you did an hour ago. Join us again next week for more tennis chat. This time, Catherine and I will be in the same country, and it'll be time for the Australian Open. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 